0: This is the True to You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. My guest today is the definition of the word go-getter. To share with you in detail, Mel Histon's full resume and achievements of the last few years would be an extended intro, to say the least. So before we get into the interview, I wanted to give you a glimpse into what she's been up to over the last few years. So to rewind the clock a little bit to 2014, Uh, Mel had experienced a number of life-altering events, and this prompted her to create the Sister Code movement with a dream to see women empowered, happy, and connected through an online space. In 2016, she established Got Your Back sister the charitable arm of the sister code movement her vision with this nonprofit organization is to see women and their children happy thriving and living independently after escaping the trauma of domestic violence got your back sister offers benevolent relief and support to women and children escaping domestic violence who are also very, very high risk to be living on the streets and living below the poverty line in just the last three months uh, the early half of 2020 as our country went into lockdown here in australia the charity received three times the number of calls for support and mel's love of community uplifting women and creative projects does not stop there at the end of 2019 which is not that long ago mel launched her personal project the hey soul sister podcast And just this year, she opened up an op shop to support the Got Your Sister Back charity. In the spirit of the True to You podcast, we go wide and deep with this conversation, exploring everything from Mel's career journey over the years to a life altering cancer diagnosis, to family, to mentors. This woman is truly remarkable and I'm so pleased to be able to share this episode with you. She is an example of someone who has followed her heart on the path towards meaningful work. So here we go, episode 48. Hold up sister, before we get into today's episode, let's take a short break to hear from one of our sponsors. Uh, Hang on a second. I'm sponsoring my own show because I'm a businesswoman too. And well, I've got something you might need. My bet is if you're loving the conversations we have on the True To You podcast, you're either in business or making plans to start your own thing. And what's the one thing stopping you from starting? Paralysis by analysis. Too many freaking ideas. Too many passions. All the things. So how would it feel if you could reduce that endless list into the best business idea for you? Well, funny that, because I have a free five-step guide that will help you answer exactly that question. I promise you, if you're overwhelmed by too many choices, the best thing you can do is ask a few simple strategic questions to find the best one that suits your goals and your needs. To get your hands on this free step-by-step guide, head to rubymarsh.com, that is rubymarsh.com and enter your details to get it now. Don't wait any longer, start creating today. Welcome to the treaty podcast Mel, it's beautiful to be here with you today. Thank you, thanks you my- sophisticated home studio setup All right. <laughs> yeah and it's really nice I was saying just before to have Mel on the other side of the podcast mic because normally she's the one doing the interviewing what's your podcast called for everyone it's called hey soul sister hey soul sister yes yep. and i been lucky enough to be a guest on that podcast will be coming up in the near future I'm sure Mm -hmm. and uh, that's just one of the many things that Mel does that we're going to talk about today and because my podcast is mainly focused on helping uh, women to see what it's like to take that journey moving towards more meaningful work I think that you definitely have a story that echoes that and have a story to tell and and you're definitely someone that's telling other people's stories a lot but I'm sure that um, getting the chance to tell your story is something unique and special. So thank you. Oh, thank for you. That. That's
1: really sweet. Yeah, That's sweet. That it's nice someone's interested.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you like when we first met, I was like blown away, thinking how does Mel do all of <laughs> these things, and like I was trying to piece all the pieces of the puzzle together. <laughs> so we'll unpack that a little bit. But um, the first thing I would love to know is. How did you get to this part in your career? So what you're doing now versus what you were doing, I don't know how many years you want to yeah, go back, yeah, yeah. but what you started out doing, because I know it was in corporate originally, yeah. then you had your own business and now you run a charity. Yeah. So quite a few changes. It's along such the way. a crazy
1: ride. It really yeah. is. <laughs> like, and, and to be honest, I don't actually really stop and reflect that often. But yeah. when you were talking then I was like, oh, Oh yeah, there was that, and there was that, and there was that, yeah. Um, so I have a, a went to university, uh, studied in Newcastle Uni, went to Notre Dame University and did, and did a degree in uh, business with a major in marketing. And, um, but I'd always wanted to be a photographer. And when I was in high school, I did photography at school and I did really well. I came first in my class and I was like, I'm going to be a photographer and my dad said to me no that's not a career that's not a job you know you need to go to university mm-hmm. and and go and get a degree yeah and I, I tried three different degrees before I actually found one that I finished uh so and then I went down the whole corporate marketing way so I kind of worked um for the local newspaper in the Broom Advertiser. I was living in Broom for a while. Wow. Yeah, then I worked in the PR department at John Hunter Hospital. Yeah. Um, and then I went and worked for a residential golf community in the Hunter Valley, which absolutely was terrible. And <laughs> um, And then I ended up working at WorkColor. Yep. And a wine company. And then while I was working for um, Wine Selectors and Hunter Valley Wine Society, I decided that i wanted to learn digital photography mm. so i went and did a, a a few courses and then ended up doing a professional freelance photography course mm. and when i finished it, i came first to my class again i did really well yeah and i just kind of thought i'm going to give it a bit of a crack so but I, that didn't mean that i jumped in straight away and just like quit my job or what have you i kind of spent you know a year um you know i suppose honing honing my craft and doing little side hustles doing the the side gig yeah and with the photography and like most people that start a side hustle it's you know you rely on friends and family Mm -hmm. to kind of i suppose get you the experience Mm -hmm. and get you your first jobs and then and I had a really supportive boss who, he was so, I go a bit now and I go, he was so cool. He kind of let me go back mm. uh, four days a week and three days a week. Yeah. And then um, I reached a point where I got a, a contract where I was traveling doing skin cancer photography, which was random. Mm. And um, that was enough for me to quit my job.
0: Yeah. 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 And do you think that once you uh, listen to that call, which is obviously from your heart, that photography for you at that time was, was a thing that you needed to go and do, do you think that made it any easier? Or was it still a scary leap to go from the corporate bubble, which can feel on the outside really safe and secure, but as we know, re- recessions happen. I've worked through yeah. a recession and things can go up and down, so it's not always secure, but Leaving that for something that was really calling cool your heart, did it feel like the right thing to do? I and mean, did that make that easier? So it was think?
1: it was scary yeah. to to quit my job and go and do that. But I was very fortunate. I, I have a very supportive husband, mm. so he was like totally caught cool with that. Yeah, um, which was great because I, you know, I have heard of some uh, women that you know want to start a side hustle and then make that their business. Mm. And that sometimes partners cannot necessarily be that supportive. Um, And that's that's only some, some stories that I've heard. But I was really lucky. Craig was super supportive. So in terms of that fear... I've, I was okay yeah. because he was really supportive and going, no, 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 this is all good, you know, and he he would kind of help me. Um, he has his own business, so he helped be referring me to friends and that sort of thing to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing for me was that I then a year into going full-time photography got the breast cancer. Yeah. So I literally, everything I had started, just had to put on hold yeah. for 12 months and then literally restart that again. Wow. Yes. So... Interesting. So I never had the fear, I suppose, around letting go of my full-time job to do the photography full-time. If any fears I had, it was around the pressure of, am I good enough? Mm -hmm. Is my work good enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because photography is a really competitive industry. And especially as more and more digital cameras
0: become accessible, anybody can pick up a camera and call themselves a photographer. Mm -hmm. A 100%. And... I guess when you're starting out as well, you don't have that back catalog of experience, a portfolio to be able to show people, here's my endless work. You're really just relying on the few things that, what do you think though, gave you the confidence to keep going? Do you think having a sales and marketing background, you were really uh, clued into that part of it that you know was going to support you to get keep getting clients and keep getting work because there was obviously something without the experience that made you keep going even if it was just, just loved for it yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so interesting that you asked me that question because I've been
1: reflecting yeah recently doing some inner reflection mm. recently about the like the podcast that I the like Hey or Sister podcast I've been doing and the charity mm. and I've been doing something in a reflector going how is it why How I and how is it that i just keep like what is it that is pushing me through that yeah and uh, what i'm coming up with is i think i didn't realize i have this inner drive mm. oh i see that on the outside though <laughs> <laughs> well I, i've yeah. never felt that way yeah i've never felt that I'm somebody who is an A-type personality. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not an A-type personality. I have never really, like in, in high school, I was never a leader. Mm. I was always a follower, mm, not a leader. Interesting. And I don't know, but I when I've been looking back going, even the photography, I was like, just this nut, just how can I be better? How can I make it better? And and I so with the photography, the charity, and also with Hey Soul Sister Podcast, I'm in this constant state mm. of okay, that was good, but how can I make it better? How can I make it better? What do I need to do now? How do I make that better? I think it's that because I've never run a charity before. Yeah. I've never podcasted before. Yeah. And I, you know, had done some photography in high school, but I didn't have years of experience, so I think it's the inner drive. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you think that that inner drive is uh... – like a positive force or is it this has to be better like the the perfectionist mindset that we can also get uh trapped in sometimes where like oh that was good but it could be better oh, I can do better you know or is it just simply you know you have a vision for what you want to create so you've got to keep getting better to, in order to yeah get, get there yeah
1: so I would say I am not a perfectionist. Yeah. And But I remember years ago going to a conference over in L.A. Mm. Um, there's a woman, she's a self-made billionaire, her yeah. name's Anne McKibbett. Okay. And she was holding a, a seminar, a two-day seminar over in L.A. at the airport Sheraton. So I went with my <laughs> friend AJ. To the
0: airport. <laughs> to
1: the airport. Yeah. We flew into L.A. airport and we stayed at the airport Sheraton, <laughs> yeah. which is very smart for her because she had people from all over, yeah. like the country or from my friend, aj yeah aj and i like we flew over together and um i remember she said something she said i only seek perfection three percent of the time wow and she said you actually need to not seek perfection you need to just do it yeah so i don't think that i seek perfection to make things perfect but i do think at the end of the day it's about impact Mm. like there's no point in having a in running a charity, founding a charity and running a charity if it's actually not being of service or having impact for people, Mm. whatever that is. And so with the and I know with the podcast the drive that I see there, I'm like, okay is it actually a use or benefit or service mm. to people? And so that's striving for it to be better from that perspective. And I know Mel Sargent, who produces a podcast, I think I drive her insane yeah. sometimes <laughs> because I'm like, okay, you know, how this starts looking, what's the response to this particular episode like? And it's because I'm like, what is going to have the most impact for people? Mm. So mm. how can it really myself, charity, podcast business, business, how can that truly have an impact on people? Because if you're not servicing, helping, impacting people in whatever mm. you do, there's no
0: point. Yeah. 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 So do you listen to people's feedback a lot?
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes I don't always like it. But but I I listen to people's feedback all the time. And sometimes you have to, you know, you know that someone gives you. Harsh feedback, or mm. negative feedback, and you get this, oh, this, yeah. this, this, like this feeling in your gut, and you're like, I don't like that. You can't, you don't want to show it, yeah so you kind of like, oh, fuck that person. Yeah. <laughs> it like
0: a kick in the guts. Thanks, but okay. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But I think the key thing is, is to be able to walk away and process it, mm. and really, you know, in your own time, look at that and go, okay, do you know what? What can I take from that? And maybe they were right. Maybe they were wrong.
0: But maybe they were right. Yeah and take that emotion away from it hey and just look at it black and white because like you say if you're in your podcast is part of your business, even though it might not be um, too. You know, well, for me, it's about. a side hustle. But yeah, yeah exactly. the podcast is a
1: side hustle. Yeah, it's a creative project. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But still, I think when you also are entering a market, like we both have podcasts, and we also know that more podcasts are coming on the scene every single day, week. And so how are you servicing really powerfully your corner of the market? So, yeah. That's so interesting. And do you think that uh, looking back, that having that background that you do have in marketing, have you been able to use that through everything that you do? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I probably don't sit and reflect on
1: that too much. It's because people say to me, like I had a meeting the other day um, with the CEO of another company um, a government no they're not government department they're a non-profit but Mm. they um, have a have a big government contract and we were having a chat and looking at how we could collaborate Mm. between our two organizations and she goes oh you know your marketing is just amazing for the organization Mm. for the charity and I was like is it okay I don't know too much about that but okay yeah maybe it is (laughs) like you know what I mean so um but I think that's just you know what it's like, things that you have learned along the way over the years. You don't even necessarily recognize that you know them. Mm. It just mm. kind of, it's just you do what you do. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yes,
0: yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I find it really interesting how we can we can move from one thing to another. But these things that we're innately good at, we usually are able to carry through each you know, venture that you've been on very yeah. seamlessly almost, and to the point where you don't even realize that you're using those skills. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. So, even in terms of marketing, you know, if you are building a brand or creating a brand, it needs to be a brand that is going to connect with people mm. that people um, resonate with. Mm. So, um, and then you need to carry that brand and those key messages through everything you do Mm. you know and so and it's interesting we've got your back sister for example when we were um you know when i was coming up with different logo options and ideas and i was working with a graphic designer around that around that you know i picked ended up picking an aqua logo Mm. and you know there's meaning behind that most domestic violence charities are purple yeah and i was like no you know what Aqua connects with men and women. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a calming colour. Mm. It's not a, a harsh colour. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. But then you carry that through everything you do, even in terms of your key messages. Mm. Um, and similarly with Soul Sister. Yeah. You know, it's that... that I'm still kind of... I'm just still, I suppose, you know, working on what that brand finally looks like, but it needs to be consistent through everything you do mm. and it needs
0: to tell a story. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. I, I love... Uh, I'm not... Um, trained in branding and marketing, but I think once you start to find an interest in it, you're, you're suddenly looking at everything through different eyes and trying to unpack all the layers of why they've yeah. chosen things and colors and whatever. Yeah. Absolutely, and there's heaps and heaps of articles out
1: there. You can just Google um, color meanings, yeah. and there'll be heaps of color charts and different logos and. Um, and they will actually pull that apart and go, mm-hmm. well, what, why why, does that color work in that particular yeah. logo? And what is, the, what is that telling people about that brand? Yeah. There's a lot of science that goes into yeah. that. Good thing I actually did cover that when I did behavioral <laughs> science at uni. So, <laughs> yes. You know, I I was aware of all of that and being really conscious around color yeah. choice and color stories and all of that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, so interesting. Okay. So... When you started your photography business, you went from side hustle to full-time, but you're also doing that whilst raising a family as mm-hmm. well, because you and your husband have how many children? Four children. Four children. children. Yes, yeah, we're yeah. a blended family, yeah. so we have four children. Between and us, the four so, yeah. children all live with you? They don't, they're they're don't now grown up, but at yeah. the time they did. Yeah. Oh, no,
1: at the time, it was week on, week off. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. 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 So still like that's still a commitment that's pretty regular in your life and I have a lot of women that I work with that have children as well or have partners which is still a commitment that they need to consider I'd love to know you said your husband was really supportive he was like "Mel, you've just got to do this like if this is what you really want to do yeah. make, make it happen and so I guess you felt like you could kind of fly but at the same time also knowing I still have to play my part in this family here. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing that women uh, struggle with a bit when we're moving from working in this 9 to 5 that has a really clear structure and we've still got to operate as mother and wife and all of these parts plus run our own business. Yeah. It's it seems like quite a jump and I think we also take a lot on ourselves to continue to show up in the same way. And sometimes when you're starting a business, the hours are different. You mentioned you yeah. had to work on weekends sometimes maybe with your photography or you didn't. No, interestingly, okay. I
1: made a conscious decision yeah. to do more corporate business, professional okay. portrait photography because our weekends, mm. I didn't want to work on weekends, yeah. but we had our kids every second week. And so our weekend time was precious. Uh, So I, that's why I've never done weddings, Um, that sort of thing. I I much more steer towards the commercial photography for that reason. Yeah. So that was a, that was a family choice. Yeah.
0: I I think that's really great that you did make that choice because sometimes don't you think we feel like we have to sacrifice? (sighs) It's either my business or it's my family and it can't be both. Yeah. And yet you're able to work it in together. Was yeah. there anything else that you would say if you were to give advice looking back? And even now, even though the kids are growing up, yeah. you know, you're still the mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you're still somewhat responsible. But looking back, yeah. anything that really worked, that didn't work, that, that you could share? that yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you know what? I, I very much tried to organise... The photog- my ph- photography shooting schedule during the during the day during mm-hmm. the school hours and again that kind of worked most of the time but also I was probably I mean having your children week on week off can be heartbreaking but I just had to utilize that time on the week yeah. off to go that's when I do yeah um that's when I do my shooting I was very lucky again that because my husband has had his own business since he was 25 wow okay he also was very he just kind of gets it he, yeah, he where really got the it. demands yeah, and, yeah yeah but it, but in saying that, I remember when I was um, coming out of the towards the end of my breast cancer treatment, mm. so yeah. I, I had twelve months yeah. breast cancer treatment of surgery chemotherapy, radiation treatment wow. and another intravenous drug which I had to have every three weeks in the hospital for a year and I remember. At one point, one night, we were standing in the kitchen, and I remember my husband. I don't know if he was frustrated, but I remember he was like, "Okay, so you 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 know you're on the mend now. You're, you're getting but you're getting through this and you're getting better. What are you going to do? Yeah. Are you are you actually committed to photography, or do you, are you just going to go and get a job or work again? Mm-hmm. What What is it that you want to do?"
0: Mm-hmm. And I remember
1: say so "I remember I had this feeling." I had this feeling and I, I suppose I touched my chest because I go, that's what yeah. it was. I just had this feeling is in and out of going, no, i meant to do this. And I remember saying that to Craig going, I just have this feeling inside me that this is what I meant to be doing the photography mm. because I had thought, well, do you know what? I could, I'm going to have to start a business all over again, mm. rebuild, you know, client, a client base and go through all of, you know, marketing yourself as a new business, getting more clients, all of that worrying about money.
0: Mm. Um,
1: I'm going to have to start all over again because I've not done, picked up a camera for mm. 12 months. and But I had this feeling, this inner feeling was like, no, I'm meant to be doing this. And I'm now 12 or 10, 10 years later, nine years, nine years later, I now look back and I'm like, I don't know why. Yeah. I now know why I had that feeling because that set me on this whole path of, you know, going and doing this photography project in Nepal, experiencing extreme poverty Mm. and abuse of women, coming back and starting a sister co community and events and blogging and then creating a charity and now creating a podcast. And I go, that was like the defining moment that one night. And if I had gone another way and I had, if I had have said, you know what, actually I don't know if I've got the energy or the passion Mm. or the confidence or the inner belief to start all over again after the cancer, I mean, I, and I just had a, gone and gotten a job mm-hmm. the day job That I would never be here now yeah. so I actually think back about that night standing in the kitchen with Craig and that inner you know, knowing that feeling I'm like no I feel
0: like I'm meant to be doing this and I don't know why but yeah it, wow that's, that's so powerful and so interesting I think that that inner voice whether it be positive or negative but that gut feel that you had you listen to it despite the fact that you were confident and like you know you you knew what it was going to entail to listen to that voice and then take the actions and it it didn't mean that you were listening to it and you're in the perfect situation and yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, it was like as you said it was like I'm gonna listen to this and and I've got to start again and so what is that going to look like and I think that's that's when the inner voice is is when you can listen to it and it's so much more powerful than anything else in your external circumstances that's going on, even for you and your your physical body as yeah. well. You know, you were healing from something, and you were able to even step aside from your physical body, which yeah, that's like that's kind of next level. I don't know if you mm. listened or have heard of any of Joe Dispenser's Oh, book. I know of Joe Dispenza. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess essentially that's what he wants you to get to in your meditations is being able to separate yourself yeah. from everything including like what's going on around you what's going on the family what's going on and you know financially physically and be able to commit and so so good that you remember that moment too it was a defining moment you know we don't
1: have that many of those in our lifetime to have the defining moment of which way am I going to go but I can feel I feel that this is the right way Think, and I need to listen
0: to that. yeah, do you think you were also given the circumstances that you were in with your um, cancer treatment and things that you knew that you had a second chance at, at this and so what am I going to do with that second chance or was it just your innate drive kicking in again? Um, so I think
1: that was that was almost divine. Mm. To be honest, that was almost like a divine moment because I didn't really know where that came from because in my head I'm like, but can I do it, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, no, there's this inner knowing. So I actually think that's a divine moment. But separately from that, I do remember um, on some of the really sick days of, When I'd had chemotherapy treatment, and so you know you have treatment, they pump you through full of steroids, and you feel like you're on speed for a couple of days, and then you kind of sink into this sickness, this sick state. And I remember, um, we didn't have aircon then, and I was really hot, and I remember lying on our bedroom floor, just feeling like crap, and having the fan pumping, trying to feel cool, but feeling really sick. And I remember lying there thinking to myself, okay, when I get through this, how do I want my life to be? Yeah. You know, and, and consciously thinking, how do I want my life to be? I want to have better relationships with yeah. our children, with um, my family, with, you know, what is like, and so I, I remember that. Mm. And I think that's separate, but, you know, certainly coming out of the cancer treatment and going back into life again. That had affected me in my, in my thinking. Like I remember doing a gym class and I was getting flogged, running around <laughs> the aerobic stream. And I remember thinking, "You big cancer, you can get around yeah. the stream." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so that certainly has that certainly has an impact on my personal drive, but in a different way. It's more about going. Do you know what? Just in do what you can to live an adventurous, joyful life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Wow. Yeah yeah and you probably always had that in you I think just hearing your story as well but it just was amplified because Maybe. you got that do you think that was a wake-up call or do you and do you think now that um you live your life according to that you know that you don't need those big rock bottom moments to create what you want to create in your life you know yeah, do you know what, yeah really? it's really interesting isn't it <laughs>
1: Ruby yeah,
0: being being honest, I
1: before the cancer, my husband talks about this, he talks about pre cancer milk. Yeah. I have always been a, a highly anxious yeah person. Yeah. And so I remember as a girl being really anxious. Mm. I used to get so anxious I would vomit. Oh wow. So I remember, you know, being and my dad loves to remind me and tease me about it, being in the car park as a little girl, going to swimming lessons and vomiting in the car park oh. because I was so anxious about going into the pool and having a lessons, And when I think back now, I remember it. And, you know, I was like, the thoughts were... Was it teacher going to be like? What if I don't can't do it? What if I'm the only one that 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 you know that can't do the can't learn to swim and what you know all this mm. stuff, all this doubt mm. that would make me vomit. And, you know, I remember um, the day of my initiation ser- initiation ceremony to be a brownie mm,
0: to yeah. become a brownie
1: yeah. Yeah. vomiting in the backyard for oh. an hour because I was so scared that I was going to forget what I had to say, like the little oh. oath you had to say, yeah. to be a brownie. Yeah. And so my mum said to me, what are you so upset for and, and vomiting for? And I told her, and she goes, they give it to you to read. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, so all my life, I actually have been quite anxious. Right. Okay. And I think I lost that. Yeah. Because of, through the whole cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a journal one new year, I think it was the beginning of maybe 2010, and writing down all the amazing places I wanted to go to in the world and struggling with that inner voice going, who do you think you are, to make a commitment that you're mm. going to travel to a different country mm. every year. Who do you think you are? And then having to go, but do you know what? I could die. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I've seen what
0: the other option is, yeah. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. So, um, yeah, so certainly... I do believe that that cancer, whole cancer journey and yeah. that 12 months of treatment totally changed the way I viewed the world. And so, and even now I go, people will go, what about this? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why not? <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mill want to start a podcast? Yeah, let's, I've never done that before, but let's give that a
0: crack. <laughs> and you're great. And you're, you wouldn't even know that, like you said, <laughs> I I only know you now, but you wouldn't even know until you told me that story at all that you used to suffer from anxiety that bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you still get anxiety? Is that something you still have to work through a little bit, but it's just not as severe as vomiting? (laughs) (laughs) Not so much now. Not so much now. And that's because
1: a couple of things I'm really conscious about making sure I have uplifting people around me Mm. because you know you have sometimes you have well-meaning people we all have well-meaning people in our lives but they live in a state of fear Mm. and so if you want to do something new or try something new or go on an adventure whatever that is they're the voice of doubt and their fear comes through so i'm probably a lot more protective about who i tell things to Mm. because Mm. i go i don't want to be you know i don't want to be impacted by someone else's I would say um and um and and I really work on mindset like I go mm. and I have a Charlotte Therap. therapist Charlotte Therap is my mindfulness guru and okay who so is this I, person oh so Charlotte Therap. therapist she's amazing so yeah. she's studied mindfulness and around the world she trains people around the world of mindfulness and she does happen to just to just live at new lepton so you know i she's amazing like yeah. i go and see her and she will challenge me or she will support yeah. me or work through the whole mindfulness and mindset and, and i go i've done a lot of that work yeah. it's an ending journey
0: it is it is and uh it's like school for your brain right it's all the stuff that we never get taught Even emotional intelligence, all of that. And and thankfully, this is coming through school and it's even coming through corporate and things like that. Now, I'm just looking at Dare to Lead and, you know, through people like Brene Brown. Yeah. But I think as adults, sometimes we have to unlearn our whole way of being and recreate a new way of being in order for us to go, like you said, after yeah. those things that you really want to go after. I'd love to know, can you share with us any of your big goals on your bucket list in the next few years? What's some what's some wild adventures that you want to go on? So it's so interesting you say that because
1: I, during the COVID isolation, I sat down thinking about that yeah. and going, What am I going to do now? (laughs) What am I going to do now? Yeah, what's next on the list? (laughs) Um, so it's next on the list. I, I, I don't actually. Probably for once in my life, I don't necessarily have any big. You know, like, I want to be here or do that. Mm. They're probably small. Like, right now, I'm in decision mode, like, in terms of got your back, sister. I'm like, okay, do we stay hunter-based? Do we grow? You know, and and trying to figure out Mm. what is the best way for that to move forward. I do do have a goal in terms of the podcast that I would like to continue to grow that and to make it better and more engaging. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a whole journey in itself. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got to sound boring don't i <laughs> big dreams do you know what i'd love to go and live overseas for you yeah a year. yeah i i travel is my big thing mm-hmm. so if, if in terms of any big goals it's more just having adventures yeah to be honest i'm ai read a book um
0: the... the surrender experiment i was about to say the oh ante- my gosh you're the second person that's talked to me about this yeah. and like this Two days or something. Wow. I was yeah. about to say The
1: Untethered Soul, but that's your yeah. second book. Yeah. So,
0: um,
1: the book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer, so he really talks about in that book about life unfolding. Yeah. And uh, that so resonated with mm. me, and I would go, that's how I live my life. Mm. It's an unfolding. Mm. For uh, the charities, four and a half years old, six years ago, I never in my entire wildest dreams would have ever thought I would found yeah. a charity. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Two years ago, I never would have ever thought I would have a podcast. You know, I never thought that I would have volunteered in Nepal a few times for Habitat for Humanity. Mm. They have literally all been unfolding. Mm. And so... I really like living my life that way. Yeah. To be honest, because I for me, and I know everybody's really different, and I'm not an A-type personality, so I don't have big goals. Yeah. But for me, the joy is just seeing where the whole life journey takes us. So for example, my girlfriend, um, Belle, we were sitting at a Melbourne Cup luncheon five years ago. And we hardly knew each other. And mm. she leaned across the table and she's like, I heard that you went to Nepal mm. to, and you were involved in this, the making of this mm. documentary. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. She goes, do you want to come to Nepal with me in January and um, volunteer for Habitat yeah. for, Human, for Humanity? And I was like, sure, let's yeah. do that. Yeah. And literally two months later, we were in Nepal. Wow. Volunteering for Habitat yeah. for Humanity. And it was the most beautiful, uplifting amazing experience it was one of the best things mm. I've ever done in my life and when we were sitting at that at the brewery mm. at that table and if Bill hadn't have reached over and said mm. hey do you want to come to Nepal with me I want someone to go with me yeah. if I had have found all these reasons I couldn't possibly because yeah. it's the beginning of January it's school holidays I'm getting over Christmas what would my family think what would my friends think I wouldn't have had that like such an amazing life experience
0: so yeah that's the answer and I think that's the thing though of uh you're you're also you're not looking for the next thing necessarily but when the opportunity comes to you you're ready for it in a way yeah and that you're always sitting in that state of mind where if the universe presents something and it feels right and probably feels right in your heart, Yeah, you're a hell yes and Absolutely. you're there. So tell me about that trip to Nepal that then kick-started your sister code blog, is that correct? Is yeah. that what started? So Mel had the photography business, then she started a blog, perhaps, was yeah. that separate?
1: Yeah, how did this all yes. work?
0: And then the charity came? Yes. Yeah. So, I
1: had been, um, when I restarted the photography business after the cancer, I was doing some workshops with AJ, um, okay, friend, um, then Heidi Pollard, now Alexandra Joy, and we. I was doing some workshops with her that she runs and we were doing vision boarding and I put down, I'd love to go to a third world country to do a photography project mm. for a non-profit. Mm. And two years later, I was standing... Um, at the front of Redhead, I, I, my hubby and I have a, had a house at Redhead that we holiday laid yeah. out and we were standing there and a girl that I had seen at a networking event walked past and we stopped and said hello, I've seen you at Gen X Women, blah, 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 had a bit of a chat. Anyways, I saw probably a couple of months after that she put on Facebook that she was going to Nepal to help make this documentary <laughs> about a non-profit, Three yeah. Angels Nepal. And I reached out to her, and went, hey, do you need a still photographer? And she was like, no, we've got one, thanks. It's fine. So I was like, oh, okay. Didn't think much about it. And then a couple of months after that, she reached out to me and she was like, actually, that photographer has fallen through. Do you want to come? Wow. So from what I had written on that vision board, you know, I ended up in Nepal. And that was the beginning of 2014, I think. Yeah, 2014. And... It was a life changing experience. Like we were traveling
0: around rural and remote Nepal to the poorest of the poor villages. Which I can imagine just traveling around, you know, a a grade roads of Nepal is like C yeah. grade. Yes, <laughs> right. It's probably like yeah, absolutely. <laughs> your and life is on the line <laughs> every time you get in a car. Yeah,
1: and and we were. Meeting women who had experienced the most horrendous abuse, mm. um, the visiting villages where there was no running
0: water. Sex trafficking is very mm. common in Nepal, isn't it? yes yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So it, it's the seedy underbelly yeah. of
1: Nepal that yeah. we not many people know about. But some the thing is something like twenty thousand girls a year are mm. trafficked, sex trafficked, They're smuggled over the border into India. Mm and Mm. thrown in brothels and just experienced horrendous abuse. Mm. And so it was hearing the stories of these girls that had been
0: rescued Mm. that was such a life changer. Yeah. Was that with Underground Railroad? Do you know that charity? Yeah, so that's one that Tony Robbins has um, worked with, these SAS guys from the States that have the capacity to be able to go in and, like, bust these uh operations wow yeah because you know they're big burly men and they've had that t- type of training yes i've seen yeah. some
1: of that on social media yes yeah. i've seen that but yeah. yeah no this was different yeah, um, this right. was a, a different organization called three angels nepal and they then um with the girls that are rescued they give them a place to stay they teach them teach them skills mm. like like saleable skills mm. how to sew how to bake mm. um you know how to run a market store Gosh, whatever it is things we take for granted okay. hey
0: Absolutely. And, and coming
1: back to Australia after that, I just had this such a strong sense that I was sent there for a reason. You know, after the whole heartfelt night going, I feel I'm meant to be doing the photography mm, to mm, my husband, mm, Put doing a vision board, ending up in Nepal, mm, I just felt that there was this there, there there was some divinity in that yeah yeah and that i was meant to follow that gut feel yeah yeah, yeah. so wow. yeah so not A-tope. So <laughs> i'm not, not goal setting at all <laughs> yeah. i'm much more like i think this is the right way to go yeah uh so you started a blog when you came back yeah so i started yeah. a facebook page and was just sharing positive quotes and then i started yeah. blogging um and then i held decided to hold an event to mm-hmm. raise money for um, a local Women's Refuge Juniors mm-hmm. place and then yep. another one for Samaritans and then so I just started holding these fundraising events and really it was about bringing women together in the community mm. of so women could support and uplift other women mm. and so that's I still hold those Sister Code events and that's what it's about it's about women supporting and uplifting other women Mm.
0: yeah 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 and so has your podcast now become like the primary medium for continuing that work because yeah I'm guess, not
1: really writing as much so yeah i really writing now it's much more doing the podcasting yeah yeah, yeah. and
0: I think that's interesting uh I used to have a blog back in the day yeah. many years ago around 2014 as well when blogging, was, blogging a, was, a thing. was a thing it was cool everybody was wanting to become a writer and a world famous blogger and then now like that has really essentially become the podcast so it's interesting how you can keep evolving these projects uh, through the different mediums that become available. You know, maybe it might be YouTube down the line or something like that, but it's just so interesting that if you're open to it, you can keep these projects going if you grab the the yeah. next way of being able to share that. So talk to me about starting a podcast because I think this is something that's obviously very um. Current for people whether they be thinking they want to be on podcasts or they want to start a podcast or mm-hmm. they just listen to podcasts and they're like how do these women do these podcasts because like you say this is a side project mm. for you but I guess um the content still feeds somewhat into the positive messaging of the charity and things yeah. like that and supporting women yeah um What's that process been like? Where well, how did you choose to start the podcast? Because you have a um, producer, mm-hmm. and so most people choose to. I bootstrapped my podcast, and obviously it's yeah. very simple and do it myself. But you can go another way, yeah, and the more professional <laughs> way. What made you choose to go that route? Uh, how easy was it for you to pick the content? Find the guests, all of those things. If people are thinking, where would I even start with the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: at the end of last year, I was really burnt out with the charity, Mm. like because it has been like when you build anything here, it can be all consuming. And it certainly felt all consuming. And over the Chris, so that was sorry, that was the beginning of the year before Mm. because I started the podcast last year. So the beginning of the year before, I was feeling really burnt out and I felt as though I was. Didn't have anything fun for myself. Yeah. And so I kind of just put it out there in the January break. I was like, this year, and I think I might have even written it down, this year I want to do something like a creative project that's just for me. Mm. And I don't know what that is. Mm. I, and I didn't know what that is. And then a few months later, oh, I reckon it must have been March, April or something like that, I literally saw Mel Sartre, who I didn't even know, but I saw yeah. her post something on social media going, hey, um, does any if you're interested in starting a podcast, let me know. I've got this podcast station, and I just was like, "That's it." Yeah. <laughs> so I read the message and I was like, "Yeah, I'll start a podcast." Okay. Yeah. And um, so it was such a learning curve. Uh, and the reason why I chose to go the Newcastle Podcast Station way and have a producer, which is mm-hmm. Mel, is that I knew that if I left it up to myself to produce that, there would be no podcast. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I yeah. I just knew that I I wouldn't make the time. Everything mm. else would be a priority.
0: Mm. And mm.
1: so it would never happen. Mm. So that's why that's why I I, I get Mel to do it. And I'm so grateful to her. I mean I pay, pay her to yeah. use the studio and pay yeah. her to produce it, yeah. but i just that's what i had to do
0: yeah and i think that's really important is that your time is precious right so you paying someone else to take care of things that you would otherwise have to you know sit up till three o'clock in the morning learning how to edit podcasts and upload them and all of those steps that take you know my experience take quite a lot of time you just simply have to go in there create a great experience with a guest, a great interview, and then you can walk out again type of thing. I mean, you do your social media and things like that. But, yeah, I think we sometimes forget, even if we're in um, startup mode of a business, that our our energy is a resource and where yeah. are we best spent yeah. you know and for you probably how did how did then 2019 look going into your charity because you've also opened a store <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 I shops, Either, we don't need big goals around here we just <laughs> Create new projects.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the op shop is going really well. Yeah. So um, at the beginning of last year, uh, myself and um, we've got there's four of us that sit on the Got You Back Sister board. You know, I was like, I think we need to try and explore new income mm. streams for the charity. Mm. And um, a friend that I know that works for another charity said, "Oh, op shops are gold. You should start. An, you should start an op shop. to yeah. raise money for the charity." Yeah. So I spent. literally probably nine months looking at different retail places for hire until one came up that was perfect and i'm so glad i didn't get jump in and settle Mm -hmm. for the other ones because it's in a great location really happy with it great space um really wonderful landlords it's actually all worked out really well we had to close. we started and we had to close for um six weeks after the covid but we're open again and it's yeah it's going really well
0: yeah that's amazing yep. and so how does that that obviously financially supports the charity uh you run that as a not-for-profit business as, as so well. yeah so that is
1: under the charity banner yeah, banner, yeah. yeah. so it's actually yeah, it's just an income stream yeah. for yeah. the charity as yeah. opposed to being a different entity yeah. yeah yeah um and and to be honest that i That's only been able to happen because of having good people around. So, Joey who uh, works for Got Your Back Sister. uh, She has experience in HR and has a set for in training. So, she got right into rostering volunteers, Mm. training volunteers, making all that happen, doing processes and procedures. So, you know, I go, Joey has done all of that. She's Mm. been amazing. Mm. She's so grateful Mm. to have her as part of the Got Your Back Sister team.
0: Yeah. Talk to me about assembling that team, because I think this is a really, really key thing that, uh, again, with sometimes outsourcing your weaknesses or um, ensuring your energy is put into the right places, it's also important, like you said, to have amazing people around you. How do you bring these how do these people come into your life? Are you out there looking for them? Do you happen to just bump into them on the street? You sound a bit like that kind of woman that these people just arrive and I'm here to help. (laughs) Yeah. So interestingly, um to start with,
1: it was just the first year it was just me at home, Mm. on my own, working out of the house, doing everything. My sister-in-law Marie came and helped out with the bookkeeping. Yeah. Um, and then we got a small service office, and um, I had a VA Adrian come and help out. Mm-hmm. She started off doing five hours a week, and then ended up probably doing about sixteen hours a week. Um, and then it became apparent that actually we needed an employee because Ads was great, but she had a VA business. Yeah, so she had other clients yeah. and other conflicting um. Priorities. Yeah. So she was really great at what she did, but, but you know, we reached that point where we were trying to offer more programs and more mm. services, and we needed somebody who that was their focus. Mm. So, um, so we kind of graduated from having a virtual assistant to having an employee. Um, and then we have just taken on, um, and, and so, I'm sorry, so back to your question in terms of Joey, that was a I know this really awesome lady, and the, it, she was the right person. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah. Um. And we have re- we did recruit for someone last year. Um. And went the proper recruitment way, mm. and that person didn't work mm. out. Mm. Um. And then we recruited for another position, and um, we ended up with somebody really amazing. So now we have two two employees. Yeah. Um. And we have contractors yeah. as well. But, yeah, I probably am a little bit of a um.
0: You know, magnetizer yeah, is I don't that the know. word? I don't know. I don't know. I don't you're know. magnetic. I don't know.
1: Yeah. But um, yes, we've you know what we've got great people. Yeah, yeah. And I go I can't you can't do anything without having the right support people around you.
0: And I imagine that it's also starts from the vision of the charity and being really clear on who it is that you're here to support, how you want to do that. Uh, yeah being really clear on those things because then people can connect with it right and they can also being a charity they're probably connecting with it on a deeper level maybe even some of it's personal for them and that's why they want to work with you but i think it probably comes from that branding and marketing that we started off talking about yeah Yeah. and you being clear on i think i
1: think we've got your back sister we have an amazing community of volunteers and supporters um i am blown away at the people that have become part of our got your back sister Mm -hmm. community and some of it may marketing I I, you know I suppose I have had some people like businesses kind of yes we want to align our brands Mm, however mm. I actually believe that domestic violence affects more people Mm. than we know or that they want to share yeah and so I think people sometimes will quietly sign up to me and tell me their story and why they're involved and it's usually because either they have been um abuse themselves mm. or a mother sister mm. um friend aunt yeah. like there's a story there and one thing that i have learned is that really domestic violence affects anybody and everybody mm. um and i'm talking about you can't you can't in your head pigeonhole in like a domestic mm. violence survivor to be a certain way because
0: mm it's it really does it's not exclusive is it exactly to having a certain amount of money or coming from a certain um demographic background absolutely yeah absolutely
1: so um and i think so when people come and they support us at our community Mm -hmm. campaigns and activations and or come to events Mm -hmm. it's generally because they've been impacted if not personally yeah by someone they love yeah yeah, that's
0: amazing. That must be oh, such powerful work to do, and I think interesting that you've you've come from that experience so far away in somewhere like Nepal to now being on the ground in the Newcastle Hunter region and being able to help people right in your community must be really rewarding. And and where where what's your plans with with the charity we've got your sister back where do you see it it going in the next few yeah. years yeah look with
1: right from the beginning i was always held the belief that we should be of service to people mm. and do what we can to fill the gaps mm. that maybe other services for whatever reason are within their funding models they aren't able mm. to do mm. so that has always been a premise for got your back sister I think now after four years, we're at a point where we've got a really great team, stable team, and we've got, you, you know, you got, got your back sister, Newcastle, Hunter, local yeah. down pat. Yeah. I think now it's about how can we expand the service. Mm. So we're seeing more requests for help from the Upper Hunter, mm. um, the Musselbrook area. We even helped somebody um, in from Tamworth, yeah. Um, six weeks ago mm-hmm. and we also work with a refuge in Tari mm-hmm. so I think as we become better and more honed at the service we're providing mm-hmm. locally if we can then also provide more sorry provide more support beyond that yeah. area we will yeah but again it's there's no goal of going right we're going to be mm-hmm. here by mm-hmm. this time it's like okay let's just see how this unfolds and i can see it now unfolding to regional you know upper hunter and even beyond that because we're getting the requests for assistance and we're able to meet those requests Mm. and provide that support yeah you know that's a key
0: that's a really key distinction that you made there though is that the business after charity rather but um essentially after four years you're you're at this point it takes that amount of time yeah. and like you said it's been trialing staff getting systems in place like you are have to essentially run it like a, a business because you've got to bring the money in and then how do you distribute it what do you do with it? and all of those choices i imagine it's taken this amount of time to really refine that so that it feels comfortable and in terms of how you can help people yeah absolutely and it's so funny when
1: we first um got your back sister um so my girlfriend Belle who came to Nepal with me she's on the board Mm. Um, and you know I would say to the board right I think within two years we're going to be throughout (laughs) New South Wales and I look back now and I'm like oh, that was kind of crazy talk (laughs) and there's no way I don't believe if we kind of set some big audacious goal like that and we actually tried to really strive for that, mm. we just sort of fallen on our faces Yeah. because really it's about just doing the do, making sure that everything's okay, mm. making sure that all our operations, you know, at our home base are, are working well and um, that is running as smoothly and as, and as efficiently as possible and that's why I go, now I have this sense that, yeah, now is the time to 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 spread our wings a little bit but that's only because the demand is there it's not because I'm you know I'm like right we need to go here it's because no people are calling for help in that area they're asking us for help and actually we're meeting that help yeah so maybe that's a sign that it's time to go there
0: yeah Yeah. oh so interesting gosh you really are an incredible woman Uh, I know know that it's probably (laughs) quite Uh, a change to be uh on the other side but i've really really enjoyed this conversation and thank you (laughs) sharing your story because you um more people need to to know about you and what you do and uh all the layers to your story so interesting and i know that women are going to get so much out of this the last question i had was around mentors you've spoken a little bit about the woman that you do the mindfulness work with but in terms of this whole process yeah have you had people in your life that that have allowed you to be able to do these things without knowing how to run a charity or without? knowing how to start a photography business along the way that have supported you.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I'm not afraid to ask.
0: Yeah. Okay. I ask. Amazing.
1: I'm not afraid to ask people Yeah. Um, for advice. And even before I set up the charity, I went and set up meetings with different people to say to them, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Mm. You you work in this space. What do you think? Am I mm. crazy? What What advice do you have? Mm. So I'm not afraid to ask the question because I also know there's – People generally know more than I do
0: yeah yeah we're all
1: just trying to figure it out there's a lot way smarter people that know way more than I do so um there's that but also I have had some key people that I really trust Mm. to go to for advice for different things like Mm. for example Charlotte, my mindfulness guru you know I love to go and chew the fat with her and have sessions with her because I'm like do you know what I'm thinking this way and I don't like how I'm thinking I need to you know and she'll pull that apart you know and so we actually come to the root of why, what's yeah. the belief going on yeah. there and how do I change that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even right at the beginning, I I had a coach for eight weeks who really pushed me in terms of owning... A, 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 this sounds really dumb. I've never ever seen myself as being a leader in any way. And I remember... Um, I had that real, the real imposter syndrome. I'm like, going, mm. oh my god, like, who am I to even do this? You mm. know, you know, we all struggle with that at yeah. times. So I was like, how am I, who am I to even do this? I'm, I'm kidding myself. I've never been. I've always. I've never been a leader. Yeah. I was never the leader at school. I was never,
0: You know what I mean? And that assumption that only leaders start businesses or start
1: charities. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I remember doing Myers-Briggs years ago and I worked at WorkCover and it came out that I was a worker bee. I was, yeah. I was great in a team. I was great having a team because I would pull my weight and make sure that, you know, but I was never going to be the leader of a team. And I really, it really misled That's my head.
0: So interesting, isn't it? Because so many people love personality tests and they like hang their you know their coat hook on on being a certain number or whatever it is that you get in the Myers-Briggs yeah but it can also limit us if we don't you know see outside of that we know that that's probably most uh, like how you show up strongly but could you be a leader as well Mm -hmm. yes yeah Um, obviously
1: so I I remember having a phone hook up with this coach mm. and she said something to me about being a leader and mm. I was like I'm not a leader and she's like yes you are you've yeah. created this community and yeah. then this is before the charity was got with the sister code and holding mm. events and things she was like you've started this community mm. and I'm like I've never been a leader and she's like Mel you're leading people yeah you've created a community you're doing this and I remember I had to sit with that for days going oh my god really really you know, and you're right, I had to really change my thinking around that. So she was—I look at her, that coach—and mm. I think she was in, integral, uh, mm. integral mm. Um, in helping flip my thinking and my belief around that. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's so interesting that uh, we we underestimate the power of influence. I've heard some people say, you know, in terms of our Instagram followings, oh, if you've got one follower, you have influence. And I guess we do have so many platforms. You had a blog platform and Facebook page Mm -hmm. and it was attracting people from all over, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Like I think you amassed quite a substantial following on the Facebook page. And we just take for granted the influence that we have and maybe it's because we don't want to own the responsibility that goes with that because that's scary. (laughs) Absolutely, because I'm like... Oh, well, wow.
1: if I'm a leader, that means people are looking at me yeah. and actually what if they don't like what they see. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah.
0: Oh. So now do you see yourself as a leader? Um, <laughs>
1: Interestingly. Certainly in terms of got your back sister, mm. um, in terms of that community. You're proud to own that. Yeah, 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 but it's taken a lot of work. Yeah. And I still um, sometimes my sister laughs at me. Your not you love a sister just to keep it real with you? Mm. She goes, oh, my God, you're such a doofus. <laughs> like, I, <don't> <laughs> I haven't heard that word for a while. She tells me a little thing, such a doofus. She'll be like, I was talking to someone down the street, and they said, well, great, what great way your sister's doing. She's like, you're kidding me, she's a doofus.
0: You're like, thanks, sis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting me back on your place. Okay. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I used to get that from my younger sister as well. Yeah, totally.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, um... But also, I think by recognising that, then you go, okay, if that's the case and I am a leader, Mm -hmm. responsibility goes with that. So how can I do that as best I can? And I'm not sure that I'm necessarily great in that way, but I don't know. Yeah,
0: but I think something that's really important that you said before is that you have also enrolled a really great team. And the team is what allows the leader to do the job. The leader doesn't lead in isolation Mm -hmm. and so I think unknowingly you've probably got this uh tribe of women you've got this small team around you that actually allow you to yeah. step into those shoes and you do it really well oh well that's yeah. very kind of you to say no. but again you can't do anything alone i don't no, know if... no no 100 percent. and and i think that's that can be sometimes the um thing that holds us back as women as well because men it's it is it is a masculine can be masculine not entirely but to step into that leader's shoes and be responsible and tell people what to do or whatever it is that that leaders do (laughs) you know we can be afraid of that oh i don't want to be seen as this or i don't want to be wrong or all of those things and so i think when you have the right people around you absolutely they fill in your gaps and your weaknesses and things so yeah Great. Okay. This has been an amazing conversation. I, I knew it would be a great conversation. And oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, taking time out of your busy schedule to chat oh, with thank me you. Now. It's been lovely. Thanks for having me. Yay. Yay. <laughs>